I'm not a loser, but sometimes I do loser things. In the event that this fails, they'll never be able to come to me and say, hey, remember that podcast you did that didn't go so well? No, that was our podcast. We did that. Yes, welcome to episode 14 of the In My Own Words podcast. I'm your host, Tony Sanders. Where's my round of applause at? Yo, hold on. I'm slipping. I'm slipping. I'm slipping. I'm slipping. Where's my round of applause? I hope that if you're listening to this and you don't hear the round of applause, you're clapping while I get this up. There we go. There we go. Happy Sunday, everybody. I hope everybody is having a fantastic Sunday. Uh, What's today's date? Today is the 10th, is it? Yes, Sunday the 10th. Um, I hope everybody's doing super, super well. And I want to start this podcast by saying rest in peace to my cousin Scatter, a.k.a. Justin Anderson. You know, you got to have the cousin with the nickname. He's definitely my cousin with the nickname. Um, you, you know, we have nicknames all throughout our family. I have a nickname. Everybody has a nickname. And sometimes the nicknames are so strong that you forget somebody's real name. You see somebody's real name, you're like, what? That's just, oh, yeah, that's right. His name is Justin. So uh, rest in peace to him. And, um, man, shout out to everybody that has been praying for me and for my family. That's really dope, man. When you get people that uh, reach out to you or uh, on a status or in person come shake your hand or you know, they just show you that their thoughts and their prayers are with you. It's really a dope feeling. And whether people are actually praying or not, it feels comforting to know that people at least have you in their thoughts, right? Because we all go through trying times, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later and some of the, the ways that we cope with trying times. But we all go through trying times, and sometimes the situation that you're going through could be so crazy that you can feel alone. Right. You can feel like, man, no one has ever gone through this or no one is going through this the way that I'm going through this or no one can see the angle that I'm seeing or hurting from the perspective that I'm hurting from. And none of that's true. (laughs) None of that is none of that is accurate. None of that is true. None of that is a real thing. You know, I don't think that there's anything that one person can go through that someone hasn't already been through already. Right. I think that everything that we go through is somewhat common to man in that everybody has to partake in suffering in some portion of their lives and none of us are exempt. And so I just want to thank everybody that's been reaching out to uh, show their support, to pray for my family, to show support for my family and just so general care. You know, it makes it easier to go to work when you have people there that have empathy and understand that your family is going through a tough situation right now. It makes it easier to walk through the halls and do your job and, you know, smile a little bit and do whatever you got to do to make it through knowing that you have people that love you, knowing that, um, you know, you're getting text messages from your friends and, you know, you, you have people that just genuinely care about your well-being, right? Just a really dope thing. So shout out to you guys. I appreciate it. My family appreciate it. Appreciates it. So shout out to you guys. Now, what is going on in the world? Everybody on my timeline right now, whether that be Facebook, whether that be Twitter, Instagram, whatever, 
everybody is calling for a, a boycott of Gucci. First of all, let me give this to Gucci. Wow. Oh my God. If wow. you don't know, Gucci has essentially made a blackface outfit. It is a model that they, a white model that they dressed up in an outfit that you know goes the length of her body covers half of her face and it's the black skin with the big red lips um and if you don't know what blackface is by now wow uh i'm not gonna explain it to you <laughs> here's the thing too man i can so so here's my here's my theory here's my thought racism comes from ignorance when you don't know something you're afraid of something and you try to uh, take away power from that something, right? So you take away power from that something by distancing yourself from it because you're afraid of it. You don't want to deal with it. You don't want it around you. You That's segregation. You take power from it by building structures around you that insulate you and that allow you to uh, be able to operate in your own world and be able to have whatever advantages you can have in your own world. And I was just talking about human instincts i'm not talking about racism specifically but just in general human instincts that's the way that it works if you watch the tv show uh walking dead which by the way is coming back tomorrow actually no today is it today your walking dead is coming back today i don't know anybody that actually still watches the show uh i just started watching it a couple of months ago so i'm still into it but if you look at that they all had a fear of the walkers right so essentially what they decided to do was separate themselves from the walkers. And then they started to put up barriers between themselves and the walkers to make sure that they were protected. And any walker that came close because of their fear, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, they decided to eliminate a walker. And so what I'm saying with racism, it's the same thing. It comes from fear. It comes from uh, ignorance and with all those things combined you have a tendency to want to separate yourself and insulate yourself and protect yourself by all means here's the difference though white people you don't have anything to be afraid of from black people <laughs> like we we're not trying to mess with y'all just like we hope y'all not trying to mess with us but we're not trying to mess with y'all we're trying to live our lives and we're trying to grow up and grow you'll raise our kids we are trying to you know grow our families like we're trying to get ahead in life we're trying to do the best that we can in no way shape or form do we want to just randomly go kill a white person that's just not you know you don't have anything to be afraid of and a lot of times we as black people spend ourselves spend our time trying to present ourselves as safe when we are in the presence of white people just to let them know that hey we are not a threat. Like we just want to make sure that we have a great opportunity to raise our children, an opportunity to, uh, you know, live our lives and 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 be successful, right? And so I know I'm off on a tangent, but that was the whole thing with Hancock. Like he, they brought Hancock in, this guy, and he tried to make him uh, shave so he would look less threatening make him smile so he would look less threatening gave him new clothes because so everybody was afraid of him right and so as a, a lot of times as a black person you live that type of lifestyle where you have to say okay i can't i can't afford to have a resting b face because that automatically makes me a threat 
It's not that I'm just having a bad day or I'm not aware of what my face looks like. I look angry, right? I sold my car today. One of my uh, older cars, we had three cars, we, one we never drove, we tried to get rid of it. So I sold my car today, and a guy showed up, he's an older white guy, cool dude, he walked up and he said, uh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry that I look like a hoodlum, I don't want to look threatening, but it's cold outside. And I said, oh no, you're good, but in my mind I'm processing, why does he think he looks like a hoodlum? I don't think he looks like a hoodlum, but, but why does he think he looks like a hoodlum? And when I looked at him, I started assessing his outfit. I'm like, all right, he's got on steel toe boots. That looks a little threatening to me. Uh, but I don't think that's what he's talking about. But do show up to your house in steel toe boots like that. He might be ready for some other confrontation that you're not even aware of right now, right? Uh, I don't want to get into a fight with a guy in steel toe boots and he kicks me in the shins or something. So uh, that was the first thing I noticed. But then I noticed upper body, he had on a jacket with a hoodie underneath. He had a hat on, gloves on, and the hoodie over the hat. And I'm like, oh, maybe the hoodie and the hat is what makes him think that he looks like a hoodlum. No sooner than I thought that he said, let me take my hood off because, you know, that may, that may help a little bit. And I'm like, fam, to me, that doesn't look like a hoodlum, but to him it does. And so that's another sign for me that if I'm in certain areas or around certain people and I'm walking up, what for me is mad regular because it's 20 degrees outside. If I'm walking up and I have a hoodie on and a stocking cap and gloves and you know what I mean? If I'm dressed just like this guy is dressed because it's cold outside, I could potentially present myself as a threat. And so in 2019, what I'm saying is a lot of racism stems from ignorance. And with the internet, with the ability to Google, with the ability to connect with people that don't look like you on a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week basis, there's really no justifiable reason for ignorance. If you don't know what blackface is, it's because you don't want to know. If you don't know why it's offensive, that's because you don't want to know that it's offensive. It's not because the information isn't there. It's not because people have not talked about it over the, the last uh, you know two years or so at nauseum. It's not because the information isn't available to you. It's legit. You just don't want to know. I could understand in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, you're like, yo, I just never, I never came across that, so I didn't know, right? But 2019, there's no reason you should not know. So T.I. is calling everyone to boycott Gucci, and I, for one, have a problem with it. After all of that, all of what I just said, that little uh, deep dive, the mini dive that I just came up with on the fly about uh, racism and blackface and all these other things, I have a problem with T.I.'s calling for a Gucci uh, boycott. Here's my first problem with it. Number one, I can't afford Gucci. <laughs> There's nobody that I know that affords and purchases real Gucci on a consistent basis. Not the stuff that you get from the dude on the side of the road who has a trunk full of purses. Not that. Not the little trip you made up to Chicago to Chinatown and you bought the Gucci purchase and the, the Gucci um, scarves and all of that and the logos facing the wrong way. Like, not that stuff, right? Yo, <laughs> fake coach purchase used to be 
the lick. I, I, I knew so many people with fake coach bags, but not that kind of stuff, right? What we're talking about is the real, legit Gucci. I can't afford it, and I don't know of anybody who, who does, on a consistent basis, purchase Gucci. So it's hard to boycott something that you already don't participate in. Here's my bigger issue with it, though. My bigger issue is this. There's there's money in outrage. I'll say that again. There is money in outrage. Uh, a friend of mine posted a clip saying that these companies need to raise their level of awareness. They're so out of touch with what's going on, and they need to have a more diverse staff and they need to have the right people in place. So these types of things don't get greenlit and all of that could be true. Right. But I have a different theory and 14 episodes in, I think you guys know at the, at this point, I have different theories about things a little different than what you may typically run into. And that's why this podcast is called In My Own Words. I may talk about the same thing that another podcast is talking about, but they're not going to be able to do it from the perspective that I'm bringing, right? That's the whole the whole uh, idea behind this podcast. And so my theory is this. My theory is there's dollars in outrage. There's income from outrage. And what I mean by that is this. Anytime you can uh, rile up one group of people enough to take action that's going to be profitable anytime you can rile up one group of people to take action that is going to be profitable anytime you can rile up two groups of people against each other one side pro the other side con there's also money to be made there as well and that's exactly what I think these big brands are doing, such as Gucci, is they know that by doing things like this, they're aware that it's going gonna, it's gonna to go viral. They're aware that it's going to cause an outrage. They are aware that people are going to be crying about it. They're also aware that everybody's going to be posting the article and clicking and going to their website and looking to see how they respond and looking to see what they their press release is. And oh, by the way, while you're on the website, now they've taken that that down and you're looking through all the other things that you're going to purchase or that you could potentially purchase. You may find something you like. It may just be especially discounted just this weekend because they know they're going to drive so much traffic that they're going to make up in margin what they uh, sell in revenue. There's income and outrage. These companies know exactly what they're doing. By the way, it's the same thing that Nike did, just in the opposite direction. Right? Nike swung one way, and they said, we're going to piss a lot of people off, but we're going to rally a lot of people up on the other side, our supporters on the other side, and the, the virality behind that is going to have people purchasing sneakers on both sides. They're going to buy them to burn them. They're going to buy them to wear them. But either way, they're going to buy them. The pendulum's just is swinging back in the other direction with Gucci. Believe it or not, there are some sick people in this world that are going to support Gucci more. And by the way, probably statistically have the means to support Gucci more based on this latest move. I see people already. I don't get 
what is with this outrage culture. They said they were sorry. They said they apologized. They took it down from their site. Get over it. They didn't know. Not knowing is not an excuse anymore. They did know. And I don't think we should boycott because, again, I don't know who's buying Bucci. Gucci. Bucci. I sound like a blood. I'm from Bompton. <laughs> I sound like a blood from Bompton. I know that uh, half the half the audience that listens to this podcast won't even get that. Don't Google Bompton, especially if you're at work. It's <laughs> on a Monday. Just in your own time, you know, go buy some Cola, sit down, and search on Bompton, and you'll figure it all out. Um... But it's only T.I. and his rapper friends buying Gucci that he's talking to. Tell tell Gucci to not wear Gucci. Tell Soldier Boy to take off his Gucci headband and burn it on Instagram Live. He's doing everything else on Instagram Live. Those are the only people that I know that T.I. could be talking to that is wearing that I see wearing Gucci, right? Not to say the other people don't buy Gucci, but who are you talking to, T.I.? You're talking to the Gin Pop? Like, you're talking to us? You're talking to the people that's making 100000 in less a year? I, no, no, no. Haven't bought Gucci one time. <laughs> I haven't bought Gucci one time. Now, I do have uh, a Gucci. I'm not even going to say what it is now. I do have something of Gucci in my possession. I don't even know if it's real, but also I didn't buy it. It was a gift, and we're just going to leave that at that. So, moving right along, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be honest, man. Um, this week has been a tough week. I won't get into the details of the situation that happened because that's not my story. It's not my place. It is not something that I think should be used on this platform for public consumption. But I will say this. With having a very, very rough and trying week, um, my mind started to just naturally look for a way to escape, a way to cope with what's going on. Um, I started out in the phase of denial, like, man, this just can't be true. This sounds like a movie. There's no way that this is real. There's no way that this is actually happening. Like, why can't I wake up from this horrific, horrific dream? And I'll be honest, I know that a lot of my family felt that way. Why can't I wake up from this really, really bad dream. And once I realized that I wasn't going to wake up from this dream and life was still going to continue to go on and that my family was going to have to try to live with this new normal, that was so heartbreaking. And I just had to accept certain things, right? I had to accept that this wasn't a dream. I had to accept that I was just going to not be able to stop crying for a while. I had to accept that things happen for a reason and it's not, that reason is not always clear ever. And so my mind started to look for a way to escape, right? And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. The biggest industry in the world, the biggest drug in the world. Uh, is it the biggest? I'm going to say, if it's not the biggest, it's the second biggest because the biggest may be porn. I will say that. But 
also porn could be included into this conversation as well. I'm just saying these these porn sites make so much money off of ads, but but yet nobody watches porn. Y'all nasty. All of y'all watch porn, uh, but nobody watches porn. But they're making all of this ad revenue, and you know some of y'all lying saying y'all watching it for the storyline, whatever. You all know when he, the delivery man, comes to the door and he opens the box of pizza, we all know what's inside. Anyway, uh, the biggest industry in the world, the biggest revenue generator in the world is escapism, right? And my brain immediately started to try to find ways to escape. Like, how do I just take a break from reality and just escape from the situation? This is why I feel like sports are so important. Sports for spectators is nothing more than escapism. And the more escapism it provides, the better it is at allowing people to escape, the more revenue it can generate. Because if you're helping me escape, I'm more likely to watch it. If I'm more likely to watch it, uh, the advertisers can pay more. The advertisers pay more. I can share that revenue with the players and the teams and the coaches and the stadium owners. And the revenue just continues to grow and everybody gets paid. And you have the NBA, the NFL, and for some really, really bored people, the MLB and the NHL. Uh, so I started thinking about escapism. But I couldn't fully go into escapism mode because... As I was crying uncontrollably at my desk at work, trying to piece together what happened, trying to cope with what happened, trying to continue to move on with life like I'm fine, I, I received a great piece of advice, and I'll paraphrase it, but it was essentially, you know, escapism is good, but don't let that turn into avoidance. And I think that's what happens a lot with people in general is we allow our escapism methods to turn into avoidance, right? So let's define escapism. For me, escapism is something that allows you to temporarily escape from reality so that you can come back stronger. I think the second part of that definition is extremely important. If you are using escapism as a form to avoid your problems and for you to say, I don't have to deal with this because it's not in front of me right now, I think that could be toxic. I think that could be unhealthy, right? If your form of escapism is going to uh, a basketball game and so much stuff is going on in life that you commit to season tickets and you're going to go to all 41 home games and maybe even a couple road games. And that's just how you deal with your problems. I think that's a problem. Now, if it's how you take a break from your problems so you can get re-energized. I mean, some of the stuff, man, when it happens, it just knocks you out. Sometimes you're just not only physically tired, but you're just emotionally drained. Like, oh my God, I don't know how much more of this I could take. And I feel like that's where a lot of my family was this week 
as more information continued to come out, it's just like, oh my God, how much more of this can we take? And so once your form of escapism starts to become you avoiding your problems, you don't have any intentions on getting back to the issue at hand, that becomes a big problem. And I think that as a society, that has become a big problem. And what we end up with is a lot of people who are walking around who are not okay. Yeah, we smile. Yeah, we say we're okay. We're say we're doing fine. We're having a good day. We had a good weekend. The family's lovely, but we are not okay. And unfortunately, by the time the people that could potentially help us realizes that we're not okay, a lot of times it's too late. A lot of times the house is on fire and the walls are caving in, and then we reach out and say, hey, I'm not okay. And the only reason why I've been pretending to be okay is because I've been hooked on this drug called escapism and I haven't been using it in moderation. I've been binge-watching House of Cards or Orange is the New Black or Game of Thrones or whatever you guys are watching, and that has been my form of escapism. And I've gotten so caught up into that world that I haven't really dealt with these issues. I haven't really dealt with these problems. And so I am not okay. And that's really, really a heavy, sad place to be. And I think a big cause of why we get there is, again, we use escapism as a form of avoidance and not a form of recharging ourselves to get back into the problem and really fix it. I really think that escapism isn't inherently bad. I think it's important. In fact, I actually think it's good. I think it's important to have things that you really, really care about that mean absolutely nothing. I sink my teeth deep into things that mean absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things, but they mean a lot to me. And because they mean a lot to me, I can get emotionally invested in it. I can get into that world. I can become whatever I need to become in those moments. Not to stay there, but just to give myself a break so that I can come back to reality and deal with whatever I need to deal with. I'll give you an example. One of those things for me is chess. I love to play chess. Uh, I play on chess.com. I play leechess.org. I get on and I play live games of chess. And I can just get into chess and to the point where I'm really excited, jumping up and down, fist pumping around the house when I'm winning. I'm really, really upset when I'm losing. But it's something for me to sink my teeth into that doesn't necessarily matter in the grand scheme of things. But it allows me to escape from my reality. I can care about it so much that it becomes the only thing that I'm focused on right now. That's healthy except for when it becomes something that if I don't have it or if I can't do it or if it doesn't happen, then I'm not going to be okay. 
or every time my problem jumps up, I run to that thing instead of dealing with this issue. I was talking to someone this week and um, I was telling them uh, a lot of relationships fall apart when hopelessness sets in. Right? We have all these issues come up and as humans, we're really good at taking those issues and just sweeping them under the rug. Sweeping them under the rug. Sweeping them under the rug. And then on one side, sooner or later on one side, somebody's going to start to feel like, oh my God, this is never going to change. She's always going to be that way. He's always going to be like that. This way is always going to be the way that we have to live our life. I'm sick of it. It's never going to change. I'm leaving now. No one leaves a relationship when they still have hope. If you still have hope that everything is going to work out, you're not leaving that relationship. You're going to stay there because you have hope that it's going to work out. But as soon as hope leaves, the person will soon follow. So all these things are swirling in my mind throughout this week. How do I avoid becoming hopeless? What can I tie myself to that allows me to get in a better position to deal with the situation so that I could find ways to support my family, so that I could find ways to support those who really need it, those who are really hurting, those who are really going through it, those that are impacted the most by the situation? How could I do all of that without emotionally draining myself, without using escapism as a form of avoidance, without becoming hopeless, all this stuff weighs super, super heavy on your heart when you're trying to figure it out all at once. And I don't mean to uh, depress you guys or break down the, the mood in the room, but it's an important conversation for us to have because it's important for us to make sure that we are dealing with ourselves in a healthy way. It's important for us to make sure that we are coping with our problems in a healthy way. I'm one of those weirdos that I want everybody to be okay. I don't care if you're black, white. I don't care if you're from this side or that side, male or female. I want everybody to be okay. And I also believe that I don't go through anything in my life specifically. I'm not talking to everybody. I'm talking about my life specifically. I don't feel like anything I ever go through is for me to hold and harbor and learn a lesson and keep that to myself. I feel obligated that when I go through something, if I come out, better, smarter, faster, quicker, stronger on the other side, I am therefore obligated to share that with people. And so I feel like it's an important conversation that we need to have. And yeah, I just want everybody to be okay. I want everybody to have that level of awareness that they can recognize when they're not okay and start to build what they need to have or what they need to do to become okay. And for me, that's just having a lot of conversations with myself, checking on me, asking me, how am I doing? And being honest with me. Some of my best conversations are the ones that I have with myself. You know what? I'm going to tweet that. That's a bar right there. Hold on. Let me come out of the podcast mode. That is a bar. Matter of fact, let me give myself a round of applause for that. That is a bar. I'm about to tweet that right now. What I say? Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. The best conversations. I'm tweeting that right now. 
I feel like back in the day, like Langston Hughes says something dope and he's like, yo, I'm going to publish that. And now we like, yeah, I'm going to tweet that right now. And that tweet goes by and nobody retweets it. <laughs> nobody shares it. It's gone forever, never to be seen again. And we just like, yeah, I got that off. <laughs> I got that off. Uh, what I, what I say? Sometimes the best conversations are. Uh, boom. I should be real corny and like put quotes under it and put anonymous. <laughs> That's not anonymous. You said that. You said that. I learned that. I learned that trick though from being married. I learned that if I have something funny to say, if I attribute it to somebody else, my wife is gonna laugh. But if it's for me, she's not laughing. <laughs> that ain't funny. Like, babe, but when I said Ron said it, <laughs> you thought Ron was hilarious. But if I said it, nah, you ain't you ain't funny. Uh, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> and I don't know nobody named Ron. Really, I don't. Um, that's it, man. I wanted to jump on here and just uh just, you know, just just talk. You know, I, I feel like a lot of people have been asking questions all week about what's going on and they've all been the wrong questions uh to ask and you know people want information you know how people they they come to you to get information that they can't do anything with like okay let me let me play your game let's say i gave you that information then what like what what's your next step what are you going to do with that information you you don't even have the power or the ability to to do anything with that information so like why would i give you that you know what i mean and there's some people that i really again i really respect and appreciate that have been very gracious and very uh caring and uh very just loving towards my family and so i really appreciate that but some of y'all just flat out messy some of y'all some of y'all are straight up nasty and so i just appreciate everybody who has uh not been that way has been very loving and supporting and uh that's it man episode 14 is in the books i appreciate it one thing i was going to talk about today that i don't have time to talk about now not that i'm on time restraints but i don't know if the 34 minute mark is the mark where you want to introduce a new topic but i will say that uh from a creative standpoint anchor was just purchased by uh spotify and i'm mad about it I'm mad about it, not because I know the details of this acquisition. Is that the right word? Acquisition? That's the right word. Not that I know the details of this acquisition. I am frustrated because when I first got on Anchor two years ago, I emailed them about getting in on a round of funding. And they hit me back and was like, nah, you broke. And I was like, what? <laughs> they was like, nah, B, you can't afford it. You broke. And I was like, dang, and now they sold for undisclosed amount. And I'm like, man, I probably could have bought a Kia or something with that money. I could have like, I don't know, did something special for my wife and our 10th anniversary that's coming up next month. But I can't now because I was broke. They said I couldn't have it. Um, they didn't literally say I was broke, but they said it in like they had their lawyer say it. And you know, when you're low, when, they, when somebody has the lawyer talk to you, they, they like, put you down in so many words and it was like yeah then in order to have uh investment in this company in the series a round your investment sheet should look like this in your portfolio and you need to have a net worth of this amount and liquid cash i'm like oh okay y'all calling me broke y'all saying i ain't got it <laughs> y'all saying i ain't got it all right you right 
You right. But still, though, let me get in. Um, so, you know, I was going to slide him five bucks. You know what I mean? Uh, slide him a cool Lincoln. And, uh, but no, Spotify purchase Anchor. So shout out to Spotify and Anchor. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Here I am talking about this, and I said I wasn't going to introduce this topic and talk about it. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I think that at some point we do need to have a full conversation about this and and even starting a podcast. When I first did my first episode of the In My Own Words podcast and I had decided I was going to publish it to Anchor, um, when I hit that publish button, before I hit it, boy, was I nervous. Because I knew that as soon as I hit publish, um, I also essentially signed a document relinquishing my rights to that audio. Uh, Again, I don't have time to get into that now, but congrats to Anchor. Salute. I'm sorry I was broke and I couldn't participate. Uh, I'm going to get my money up and try to do it again next time when I see a nice up-and-coming uh, app that I think has potential and has future. Yo, when I was trying to invest in Anchor, they was they were they were marketing at marketing it as audio Twitter. Like think about Twitter where you can share these short form thoughts, but in audio form. So literally, I was walking around with my phone all day. This was probably 2015, maybe 16. I was literally walking around with my phone all day, and every time I get a thought instead of tweeting, I would pick my phone up. And they had the they had the uh, feature where you could raise your phone to your ear and anchor would just start recording and I would just verbalize that thought and that I thought that was dope I thought that was gonna be a good stepping stepping stone to where they wanted to go and uh, man they did it so shout out to them shout out to them uh, and shout out to all the broke people too I know we got broke people that listen to this podcast. Hey, we all on the same team here. Uh, that's it. I appreciate it. Check me out on Twitter at Tony R. Sanders. Check me out on Instagram at Tony R. Sanders. Make sure you subscribe and rate this podcast if you are listening to it on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you are listening to it on Spotify, shout out to Spotify. Make sure you subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. If you feel like I'm delivering good content that's of value, if you feel like I'm contributing to a healthy form of escapism every Sunday or Monday, whenever you listen to this podcast, make sure you share it with a friend. And my last call to action would be make sure you're okay and make sure the people that you love are okay. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.